Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Ron Sykes began teaching in the Jefferson R7 School District in Festus, Missouri in 2000. His responsibilities include sixth grade band, seventh and eighth grade band, guitar, high school jazz band, and high school band. Ron has served as a guest clinician, director, conductor for many honor groups at the district, county, and state level. Ron received Missouri East Central No. 7 Music Educator of the Year on two occasions in 2011 and again in 2018. As a composer, Sykes has written music for concert bands, jazz bands, and professional bands. Ron is also an active drummer and percussionist and has played all over the country and recorded over 20 CDs with various artists from all genres. Mr. Sykes earned an Associate of Arts from Jefferson College in 1996 and a Bachelor of Music Education degree in 1999 from the University of Missouri-St. Louis. In 2008, he completed his Master's in Educational Administration from Missouri Baptist University. He has also served as MMEA Jazz Vice President, East Central No. 7 President, Past President, and High School Jazz Vice President. Ron is a native of Hillsborough, Missouri, and currently resides in the Jefferson R7 District with his wife Katie and their three daughters Madeline, Lillian, and Olivia. I hope that you'll enjoy our conversation. Well, it is my pleasure to welcome to the podcast series this week uh, Ron Sykes, who is uh, the director of bands at the Jefferson R7 School District. Ron, first of all, thank you very much for uh, taking the time out. I'm sure that, I mean, we're, we're recording this on uh, Friday, May 15th, so I'm, you're probably right smack in the middle of online teaching. I mean, what, what's going on in your school district and how are you coping with the COVID-19 uh, pandemic and, and, and how it's affected your program? It's, it's affected it uh, greatly, of course, like everyone else's. In fact, today was supposed to be our high school graduation ceremony. So um, in terms of grades and whatnot, we're, we're starting to wrap up everything. We had some grades due um, a couple days ago for seniors to make sure that they're going to have all their credits necessary. Um, my middle school grades are due uh, today and, and on Monday. So um, we're wrapping everything up. Uh, we were... We were released, I believe our last day of school was like March 15th or 17th or something along those lines. So right. we've been doing distant learning and uh, since that point. Wow. So is there any kind, are you, is your band doing any type of virtual graduation? Because it seems to me that administrators are really putting like huge requests upon music teachers. Oh, wouldn't it be great if you had a virtual band playing pop and circumstance? Is there any type of graduation ceremony or... Yeah, what's going on with that? Well, um, yes, uh, we've had a couple of administrators. Um, I teach in a small district. There's about a uh-huh. thousand kids um, in the entire district. So, and you're we, you're near St. Louis in Missouri, right? Or how correct. how far away? We're about uh, 45 minutes south along Highway okay. 55. It kind of runs along the river. Okay. And um, and like I said, we're a small rural community just south of uh, just south of St. Louis. And so I'm the band director six through twelve, and um, so I start start them as beginners and run them all the way straight through to graduates. And um, so I've got a middle school principal, a high school principal, and then we have an assistant superintendent and a superintendent. Right. Um, and at, at some point we've, we've had a conversation about uh, virtual everything, you know, uh, virtual choirs with my, my wife is also the choir director in the district. Oh, wow. Um, That's virtual, great. Yeah. Virtual choirs, virtual bands. Um, and I just said, we just can't do it right now, primarily because of, of software limitations, but, um, with, in our community, we have, uh, some kids that just don't have internet access at all. Right. And if it is, it's, it's, um, pretty shoddy at best. So, um, and plus, uh, the kids, the kids in our community are going through a lot right now because right in the middle of our community, we also um, we have a hospital, and a lot of the parents work at the hospital. 
Right. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of stresses going on right now. So instead of trying to, to try to force this virtual band virtual virtual choir kind of stuff, uh, we've taken a step back and um, we've used this time to, uh, I've created a lot of videos with me performing or, or, or teaching songs uh, through the video. Right. Um, and so we've just kind of been, you know, trying to t treat it as, as many private lessons that, that we can that will prepare them for next year, like little lessons on key signature or rhythm counting, stuff that, um, that can be used year round. Because my goal with creating these videos for the kids was that even after uh, COVID is, is, let's say, over and maybe we can get back to a, a normal schedule and normal class and normal band, all, whatever normal is, right. that I'm hoping that uh, these videos will then also be used for kids like when they're absent. Like if I teach key signatures, now I have a video of it. So if the kid is not in class, I can share that video with them so that uh, hopefully these videos I'm creating are just not for a one-time fix. Yeah, and, and Ron, I'm, I would imagine that many music teachers that might be, I mean, every music teacher pro probably that's listening to this podcast has been in the same situation where they're spending a lot of time creating online resources and creating videos. I've seen so many. Uh, and I like, I like your kind of approach of not trying to do the virtual band, uh, virtual choir. It's just extremely difficult. I think a lot of people see those videos on Facebook or YouTube and go, oh, I, I should be able to do that. And then when you realize just how incredibly hard it is to sync up that audio and sync the video, and then uh, pretty much anything that's low cost or free, there are some exceptions where you can, you, you, you don't have the ability to put 40 little videos, you know, on one screen, like a massive Brady Bunch type thing or the zoom meetings that we're all unfortunately very familiar with at this point. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm hearing kind of horror stories that there are administrators that are telling their band directors, we are doing a virtual graduation and we want virtual pomp and circumstance. And I'm sitting there scratching my head saying I'm a tech expert, quote unquote, and I have absolutely no idea how you would do that. So yeah, it's, it's obviously super sad and impactful for the students. That to me is my primary concern. I'm sure for you as well. Um, but you know, yeah, early, you, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. Early on, uh, when like the first couple of days that we were out for COVID, um, a, a friend of mine, uh, who's a band director in another district, started creating these acapella videos, right, where he was playing all the parts, or he'd right. have somebody. So, so he contacted me. He goes, "Hey, is there any chance, you know, would do you want to do a collaboration? Would you play drums for one of these pieces?" He goes, "I'll lay down one track. I'll send it to you. You finish it, and then send it to the next person." I said, "That sounds like fun." Right. So, uh, you know, I've, I've been playing professionally, um, you know, since I was 19, 20 years old. And I mean, even keeping up with my teaching duties, I was playing, playing 120 dates a year. Wow. Um, up until COVID. Right. Exactly. <laughs> the, the break that I've had from COVID these last two months has been the longest break from gigs I've had since I was, since I started. But yep. my point is, is, and I've done lots of recordings and been in the studio lots of times. And creating, you know, creating a drum track for that acapella uh, app, you know, took me, it didn't take a long time, but it did, it did take me longer than I thought it should have. And my experience with that, although it was fun and I loved doing it and I've done another one since then, it's like I was putting myself in the position of the kids going, you know, having them do something similar to that with the other challenges that they're going through right now because my class is not the only class they have to worry about. Exactly. And, and every teacher is taking a slightly different approach for everything from, you know, teachers that are, are requiring very little to teachers that are like, no, you know, by God, we've had Chromebooks now for eight years and we're just going to continue doing things the way we've always done them and stressing kids out. We've had everything in between. And I didn't want, I didn't want to be the stress creator in, in a kid or a family's life. You know, I, I wanted them to use music as an escape and something fun and a stress relief during all this time when there's so much stress in the world. Right. And, and Ron, I, I, just from your answer alone, I could see that we're kindred spirit because when I go on Facebook and I see music teachers 
failing students because they, you know, didn't hand something in, a music teacher specifically, you know, and then ranting about how awful their kids are for not turning things in. Way back when this thing first started, I did a webinar for like 300 teachers where I was saying, and I knew it right, you know, March 13th, March 14th, to assume that every student is going to A, have internet connectivity to be able to do what you're asking them to do, B, to have the time to be able to do it because I'm sure that every other subject area is trying as hard as they possibly can to get stuff up there. And, and C, you have no idea what these kids are dealing with at home. Like you mentioned the hospital, I have no idea. What, and I'm sure that most music teachers have no idea what their students' day-to-day -day life is like and how it's been impacted and if their parents are, are first responders or you know essential workers or if they're out of work. So I, I love the idea of just making it something that is for enjoyment by, but at the same time, trying to build their musicianship skills so that when you do get back, you know, you're not starting from square one. Yeah, my hope is that uh, through this, the kids will, you know, will miss this so much and, and really understand the, what we might have taken for granted. They'll, they'll really appreciate. And then when they come back to school, you know, we can kind of pick up where we left off because music is a powerful thing. Um, and I think again, through this, this COVID pandemic, um, I know I appreciate my, my job, my role, my students, my profession, you know, a lot more than I did. And that's saying a lot because I've always loved this job. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I've been teaching online for years and it, it does take a certain level of experience before you get comfortable doing it because talking into a microphone, into a screen where you might not be seeing all the students, you, it's not the same. It's not even close to being mm -hmm. in, in a room with the kids. It's just bizarre sometimes. And you get no feedback. You don't know, you know, as a teacher, you know, how long have you been teaching? Uh, I just finished my 20th year. Right. So, you know, you've been teaching 20 years. You know when a lesson's going well. You know when the kids are getting it. You know when you, you have that feeling of, uh, you know, flow where you're like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And when you're in the Zoom world or whatever platform you're using to meet with the kids, it just isn't the same. So, yeah. Anyway, I, I'm sure that everyone listening is, is probably got have uh, some similar experiences, but I, I do appreciate you starting out uh, talking about that because it's, it's obviously on everyone's mind. So if you don't mind, I'd like to shift the conversation to, uh, you know, music first. And, and maybe uh, before we do that, I'd love to hear, you know, specifically what, what does your music program, uh, so you're at the middle school and the high school, right? Correct. Why don't you give us like a thumbnail overview so we can all imagine <laughs> uh, what your music program is like uh, in the district? Well, uh, like starting with my schedule, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Talk about yeah, everything that you're, what's, what's your day-to-day -day, uh, workload? Okay, well, um, I start off at the middle school, and I teach 7th um, uh, and 8th grade band. Uh, our 7th and 8th graders are combined, um, and they have been forever so, since I've been there, uh, again, because of the school size. And then we move into 6th grade beginners, um, and then I teach... Uh, like an RTI intervention class for some of the kids who need additional support. Okay. Um, and that support can, looks a variety of different ways, depending on the kid. Sometimes they just need a study hall. Sometimes they need help with study uh, 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 tips and tricks. And, and some of them just need, uh, you know, uh, an adult figure to kind of help them through some, some tough times. Got it. So, uh, and then after that, I travel to the high school um, and I teach, guitar class, um, jazz band, and uh, my high school concert band. I, and are you, are, you the, are you in charge of the marching band or is there a marching band program? There, there is no formal marching band program. We do uh, two or three parades a year. Oh, okay. Um, but that's the extent. Uh, currently, uh, we play at all the football games. We play at a majority of the basketball games. Um, and, uh, we just, it, we treat, it's a big pet band for us. So, um, the, the football games, uh, consist, you know, we play like four to six home games a year. And, uh, since we don't do any field marching, we hand out, I try to treat it like a wedding band. So, oh, cool. <laughs> you, you know, you just, we pass out the charts, we learn them for that week and we play them on Friday. And then the next game we do the same thing. 
um, and just try to, and we do as much reading through charts as, as possible. So during, during the, the football season, we probably learn oh, anywhere between 15 and 20 charts um, during that time. And then we're also weaving in music for Veterans Day and our winter concert as well. So is there a elementary school band program or, or is it that you start them in sixth grade? I start them in sixth grade. We used so, so to, yeah, you're the everything band director for the whole district. Yes, sir. Oh, wow. um, my, my wife is also the choir director. And so her schedule is half choir. And then uh, she assists with a couple of the band classes as, as well. So, so that's worked out. So I do have, I do have some support and some help, but uh, ultimately it's, it's, you know, six through 12, We've got about 150 kids in the band program. That's great. Yeah. And, um, and right now our enrollment sits, um, depending on the grade, we, we have about 30 to 35% of the high school in band. And, wow. then, and then the middle school we have, I'm doing quick math here. Uh, we have probably about 40 to 45% in band. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. So it's, uh, you and your wife are the, it, it's kind of the music, uh, the music duo uh, and, and, and making it happen for the district. That's really cool. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you enjoy working with your wife. That's very, that's great. I'm, are you playing drums for the choir? <laughs> well, um, I have, but more importantly, I teach the kids to play drums for the choir. Oh, there and, you go. Very cool. And that's, that's, that's what's cool about um, working with my wife. Um, her name's Katie, by the way. Uh, what's great with working with Katie is we can run the department as a whole. So uh, obviously my expertise is band, hers is choir, um, but we can, you know, divide and conquer. Like uh, when I do the webmastering for, um, you know, for the both band and choir on our music site, whereas, so some of those techie things I, I kind of take care of. Mm -hmm. And then she has her things that she takes care of that I don't have to worry about. And, and they overlap. It's, you know, every band director does their thing. Every choir director does their thing. And they're doing the same things where we're able to, to divide, conquer, and, uh, and, and work to each other's strengths, which is, yeah, it's, it sounds like an absolutely ideal position. And I'm sure that there are a lot of high school directors out there saying, if I didn't have to do a, an on the field show and instead could do pep band, that's like the dream gig, because it's <laughs> so, you know, so much work, uh, fielding a marching band. Anyway, yeah, that's I, great. I, I get both sides of that. I get, I get directors saying, man, you're so lucky. It's so great. And then I have other people going, you know, don't you think you're robbing these kids of an experience? Oh, and, that's brutal. And, and, well, and I'll be honest with you, I see both sides. Right. I really do. And I, and I think that uh, one thing that we haven't discussed is, you know, I said I've been teaching 20 years. Well, um, my district, when I started working there, it was only a K through eight school district. Mm -hmm. And after eighth grade, our kids would go to, um, you know, three different high schools in our area and we would pay the tuition for that to happen. And then in 2008, we passed a bond issue. And in 2009, we opened up our own high school with a, with a freshman only class. And our first graduating class was 2013. And well, now it's 2020. But right. um, so during that time, when, when we're building the high school from scratch, we were able to, to lay down a foundation of philosophy. And, and we made the choice early on that we were not gonna have a field marching band because of the school population size that, you know, our kids, I mean, if you look at, at the population of, of my band, um, these kids are doing everything. There's out of the 55 kids that are in the high school band, um, there's only maybe 15 to 20 of them that don't do anything else. Like wow. everybody else is doing football and basketball yep, and absolutely. archery and everything else. So, you know, if our population size was like five to 600 kids in the high school, I think there'd be a real chance that we'd have a, a, a high, a marching band, but with us having only 300, you know, it, it kind of, that's really tough. On. Yeah. 75 per grade level on average. That's uh that's right. And yeah. so, you know, my philosophy is, is, is I want kids involved in music for as long as possible. Um, and when you start adding certain things to the schedule, you're going to start peeling off that population. And then that's going to be a kid who stops, you know, his musicianship at, you know, eighth grade, freshman or sophomore. Whereas um, in our program, we try to be flexible enough where kids can stay all the way through seniors and still get to do all the other things to kind of develop the whole child. That's great.
really sounds ideal. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a little jealous, I will say. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> so I'd love to now um, turn towards how you came to technology and, you know, in general, like when did you start using it with your program and what have you used in the past? Um, any brand that we're just, I'm just interested to see how different music teachers came to music technology and, and the kind of things they have done with it. I've always loved uh, technology and been enamored with it. Um, and about, and, and I've used uh, notation software. I've used Finale since college. So, um, and I would write my own exercises, hand out to the kids. Um, I should also, we don't use method books in our band program. Um, I write my own method book. Wow. So, so I, you know, write everything out, uh, put everything into Finale and pass everything out because I felt I found that there was a lot of uh, gaps and holes in the method book. Not mm -hmm. not that there's anything wrong with method books, but I think the right method book has to be geared towards the grade level, the demographic, the schedule. Like there's so many um, little variables in a in a band program. Um, I was very hesitant to say, well, we're all going to use the same method book because this other school uses this method book and they're amazing. So I just found that there were some gaps and holes and there are some things that I felt that, uh, that the books were lacking after about two years of teaching. So um, I slowly, over the first two years of teaching, I was just doing a lot of, I was using a method book and then doing a lot of supplemental work until finally at the end of the the second year I said what am I doing like just write your own you know and so then that started the process of, of me um, kind of counting backwards again we were k-8 back then so my goal was to try to prepare our kids by the time that they leave eighth grade to go to those other high schools I wanted all of them to feel like they were completely comfortable in going to those high school band programs so I started writing my own um, through finale and passing it out and all that good stuff. And then right around 2005, I think it was 2005, 2006, um, I uh, found out and discovered smart music and I started, you know, exporting and creating my own files and then putting that into smart music. And it was a great situation. Um, and then I was even doing, uh, finale and smart music clinics uh, around the state of Missouri for probably about four or five years, maybe. Yeah. Um, and, and so I did a lot of clinics at, at our state conventions. And then I would also like travel to universities within the state and, and do some just showing other music teachers tips and tricks and how to better navigate around finale and how to better navigate around smart music and how to put them together and all that stuff. Um, and then when um, smart music went web-based and our community had no internet. So before, you know, smart music would have the CD that you download and everything yep, was yep. good to go. Uh, but once, once they went web-based and in my community, we didn't have any, uh, hardly any internet. And if it was, it was dial up. And if and the dial up is, you know, we, most of us remember how awful that was. Absolutely. <laughs> so so then I just kind of, you know, geared, uh, started going away from it um, until our internet in our community got uh, better. And, and it was about that time uh, we went Chromebooks one-to-one -one in our district. So, you know, I was utilizing, you know, everything that Google had at the time in the classroom, you know, from Google form tests to, you know, slideshows to all of that good stuff. Um, and then, we tried smart music again with, um, with Chromebook and, um, it was, it was fine. It was okay. It just, I, I, I partially blame me because I think I tried to do too much too soon when it all came back. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I just kind of backed off a little bit, um, and then started just creating again, like more and more of my own materials for through Google and through videos and, and that sort of thing, looking for different recording apps that, that went in Google Classroom nice and easy, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, and then I noticed uh, Music First at our uh, state convention. And I just kind of took, I think this was last year, um, mm -hmm. a year ago or a year and a half ago. And, you know, I was like, oh, this is intriguing. And I was asking questions about it. And I did uh, another, 
you know, a little bit of research on it. And then I was kind of comparing the two and, and kind of talking to my administrators to decide, you know, which way to go and, and, and what was going to happen. Um, and then this past January is when um, I was at the state convention again, and, and I spoke with Mike Olander and uh, he answered a lot of questions that I had. And, and I said, well, I, I tell you what, let's, let's go ahead learning from my mistakes in the past. I said, you know, let's, let's do a pilot program. I said, let's do half a year. We'll start at February one. Yep. And then, um, and I'm only going to pilot it with my sixth, seventh and eighth graders. You know, if it goes well, then we'll move it into the high school and continue in, in that. But I just wanted to focus instead of trying to do it all six through 12, try to get everybody on the same page and, and teach the, the platform all at once. You know, I wanted that time to kind of ease into it. So, um, from that time, I just started exploring more and more uh, what Music First had to offer. Um, and I was just really impressed with the platform. I was impressed with um, the ease from the kids' point of view. Um, because when I, inter you know, when I, because I, I'd asked them, when I first even rolled it out to them, I didn't even use it as a grade. I just said, hey, I've got this cool new program. Let's try it out. Let, we're all going to experiment together. So I would like give, you know, uh, you know, little silly prizes. Like, all right, uh, I'm going to post an assignment tonight. Um, the first one to, to get it done was and get, you know, 100% on the assignment. Uh, we'll have their name put into a hat. And when I draw the winner, you'll get a, t a high school band t-shirt or, or something along those lines. So, cool. so it, was, it was all fun at first, you know, because, I mean, it's still fun. But I'm saying I didn't try to bring it out as like, all right, kids, here's your new platform. Um, and this is all about grades now. It was like, let's use this tool you know, to have fun with it because, you know, kids are, are downloading apps for fun. They're doing that without grades. Like let's, let's, instead of making uh, learning punitive with grades, let's make it exploratory where they can kind of explore their create creativity and their curiosity. So that's how, that's how we started using this program. Um, so that's an act, by the way, if I can interrupt you, that's, sure. that is a fantastic approach uh, of all the people I've interviewed. That's the first time I've heard, kind of a what what we call a kicking in the kicking the tires approach where you're just going in and all right let's see what this thing does um and, and not making it um you know kind of mandatory assignment and then it gives you a really good idea without them having the like black cloud of i'm giving you a grade on this you get really honest feedback from the from the kids and, and they'll they'll tell it to you like it is because uh, what we've found is you know as soon as teachers jump in I'm not saying you can't do it this way, but as soon as teachers jump in and say, we're doing every single assignment, you're getting graded on every single thing I do, the students look at it as a test rather than anything fun. Um, and so I, I, really, I really admire the, uh, the kind of what I would call a dip in the toe in the water with the kids first to see how it works, get out the kinks, you know, let kids make mistakes and try to navigate your way through it before kind of upping the ante on it. So it's, a, it's really interesting. Well, and, and the thing is, is like when introducing a new platform or a new software or a new piece of music or a new anything, there's going to be resistance from a certain um, uh, percentage of the population. No doubt. So, so if you can get kids, you know, to feel comfortable with it, then parents are comfortable with it. Um, you know, it's easy for a teacher of any discipline to go to a convention and come back and say, Hey, I found the, the newest, latest, greatest thing in here and let's push it, push it on to everybody. And then the kids get stressed and then they go home and then the parents get stressed and then they send those stressed emails back to you. And then now you're dealing, you now you're navigating a whole nother thing, yep. you know, of, of trying to, to ease everybody. So we just kind of took a real easy approach. Plus, I'm also not afraid to try new things. I'm not a trait of, uh, afraid to fail. It's like, hey, let's try it. And if it works, let's do it twice. And if it doesn't, then let's figure out why it didn't work. Right. And if it still doesn't work, then maybe we should look in a different direction. Yeah, I mean, yep. very so, good approach. Yeah, so for my kids, and I brought this on, they didn't look at it. Most of them did not look at it like, oh, here he goes again. Here's something new. I was just like, hey, let's try it. If we like it, cool. If we don't, that's cool too, you know? But, but let's give it a give it a try. And plus giving the kids an opportunity for feedback on the program to where they feel like they have a voice in all of it also made the transition into music first a lot easier than it could have been. Yeah, no, that's, uh, 
that's really I, I really I, I hope people listening are, are taking notes because it's I just think that's a fabulous approach it, it kind of makes it a, a no risk situation for the students and 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 you're learning it together it's a great way it's a really Ron that's a, a, a very <laughs> I admire the approach very much thank you side story so um, I I, this philosophy that I've developed in music education over the years, believe it or not, came from training horses. Um, and wow. <laughs> yeah, right. So, <laughs> and everybody kind of has that same response when I bring this up, but it makes sense in the end. Um, you know, many years ago, probably 15 to 17 years ago, I started training horses and we were training them from babies all the way up to, to where my kids could ride them. And I wanted them to, I wanted those horses to be so safe that I didn't have to worry about my kids or, or worry about the horse bucking the kids off. Exactly. Right. So, you know, uh, at that time I was, I was, uh, following and, and learning from a horse whisperer who would travel, um, through, you know, certain months and he'd always come to Missouri once or twice a year. And every time he come, I'd go visit because I would learn these different techniques that apply to, I was coaching basketball at the same time. So, you know, it was, you're, it not, was you're not busy at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like to stay busy. Right, yeah. So, um, but anyway, so one of the, the, the sayings that, that he would tell in this horse training seminar was if you take all the time it takes, it takes less time. Like don't get in a hurry because then, you know, and we demonstrated this with um, my dad and I were training this horse just to put a saddle on and, and, you know, right now the horse is real skittish, didn't want to touch anything. Didn't, I mean, when I would walk into the round pen, the horse would go the other way. So it took a lot of time for that horse to build the trust up to walk up to me without running away. So then it took a lot of time for that horse to build trust in that saddle, knowing that that saddle would not hurt them. So then, you know, we took time and, and put the saddle on the horse a little bit. And then finally, at the end of it, you know, I was about to, to cinch the saddle underneath. And my dad says, what are you doing? I said, dad, we're this close. Right. He, he said, if you cinch that saddle right now, that horse is going to buck and you are going to undo the Everything. hours of work you just put in. And I was like, if it takes all, if you take all the time it takes, it takes less time. So I, you know, pulled the saddle off. Because, you know, horses are also like kids. Horses are, are prey animals, right? right? So horses or kids feel that way, especially if they're, you know, sitting in a chair. Um, they also, um, you know, uh, are, you need to build their trust, you know, because, you know, they, they're looking for leadership, you know. So, it, it, again, not to go too far off on the, the No, I love it. This is a fantastic analogy, analogy yeah. <laughs> but that, that next you know, that next day, it didn't take near enough or near as long of time. And we put that saddle on the horse, we were able to cinch it and walk it. And it was great. But uh, so that same approach comes into the music classroom. It's like, you know, and, and every director has felt it. it's like, man, I've got five minutes left of class, I can get this measure, and we can get it perfect only for it to blow up in our face and going, Man, I should have. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done it <laughs> yeah. because then the kids might have been leaving your class with a sour taste in their mouth, like ah. Oh, instead of going, point. "Yay, we did it!" Yeah. So you know, I use that to kind of guide my lessons as well, and I used it to when I'm introduced music first too. It's like, look, we're going to ease into it. I'm not going to overwhelm them. If you take all the time it takes, it's going to take less time, and and we were able to to introduce this platform to the kids with with minimal issues. Oh, that's awesome. So Ron, can I ask you what, what exactly, what types of things are you doing? What software do you have and what types of activities have you been doing since you first brought it uh, into your music program? Um, let's see what we, the software we're using right now um, is Aurelia, Focus on Sound, Musician, uh, Practice First, and Sight Reading Factory. All right. Very Out good. of those programs, um, I am using practice first the most. Mm -hmm. um, I'm using sight reading factory a close second. And then Aurelia and musician um, are, uh, are a little bit behind that, but um, I've used those for like quick little lessons or, or you know, to break quizzes. up yeah. quizzes or just to break up, you know, the monotony instead of going, all right, kids, here's sight reading factory every day. It's like, you know, 
I would pepper in, you know, uh, an ear training thing or a music uh, terms thing. So, yep. and then plus, you know, you're also uh, assessing um, uh, some things that, that maybe you would assume the kids know, and then you find out, oh, they really don't know. Well, that's good. I better go back and revisit that. Yeah. So, um, but I would say uh, that's the software we're using. Again, practice first. Uh, the most uh, going back to my earlier story it's because I can you know export anything from from uh, finale as XML and put it in there and assign it quick yeah and, and you're like the perfect practice first uh, customer because you are you've created your own materials and that is for us that I mean you know it's funny I design practice first and we partnered with an amazing company called match my sound but the the concept of it I was I, I, I asked so many teachers and I was a smart music user myself when I taught middle school band and you know I was looking at what what the great parts of that program are and there are many and then I was looking at the parts where I wish I could change so it's always wonderful to have hindsight <laughs> and say well I love this about it but I really wish this it did this and when I asked other music teachers what they wanted to see they all basically said, look, we need a cheap version of this. You know, I don't want to spend whatever the price is um, if, because, I, you know, it may have tons and tons of repertoire, but I only really need five pieces. That's what I'm working on. And so a lot of them told me that they felt like they were paying for so much, but, you know, only using like a drop in the bucket. And so we hear the same thing. We hear a lot of teachers go, oh, well, there's no repertoire. This is useless to me. Uh, there is a lot of repertoire available, you know, as kind of like a a la carte version. But when we have custom, when we have music teachers like yourself that are have no problem, you know, with their own, they have their own materials. Uh, it it just is a, it's to us, it's a perfect fit where you can just, hey, I'm going to upload this. I didn't have to uh, pay extra for it, and and it works. So yeah, it's good to hear. And again, I, I'm sure that a lot of music teachers listening are saying, wow, this guy wrote his own method book. You know, how do I go and <laughs> how do I go about doing that? And I love your rationale for doing so, which is, you know, you're customizing it for the kids that are in your program and your and your goals for your program. So it's great to hear. I'm, I'm and, and so far, so good with practice first. Oh, yeah. Um, you, you know, going back to what you said. Yeah, because I believe that customizing and it's not even just customizing for my band program. It's customizing for my kids in the band program that year. Because right, there was right. there was materials that I created ten years ago that you know if I brought it into this you know crew of kids that I had now it, it's they have completely different needs. So if I have a year where it's like you know the kids are reading rhythm like nobody's business, right. well, then I can develop what their weakness is. Whereas you know some years it's like we're having a difficult time reading rhythm. How about if we focus on that? So then I develop even more material on rhythm reading. Yep. But, um, so it's, it's customized, you know, per year. That's the other reason why, um, I, I abandoned method books. Cause I think it, 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 in some, <clears throat> on some level, it creates almost like a, a factory worker mentality, um, of like, all right, well, here we go. By Christmas, we have to be a page, whatever on song, yep. whatever, or we're just completely behind. And I've always said, you know, I, we're never behind and we're never ahead. We yep. are where we are. And our job is just to get down the road, you know, having this behind or ahead, it's a fake measuring stick that doesn't exist. Uh, Very, very, very good point. You know, (laughs) so so each year it's like, well, where are the kids at? You know, well, they're where they should be. I mean, that's, we're human and we'll see, you know, how, how much further down the road we'll get to the end of the school year and depending on what pieces we can play. Um, But with practice first, you know, like for example, um, I, I just created like, um, all of the little practice, uh, I'm sorry, scales that we have done over the years. Like I would always give the kids out scales in, in chunks, like tetra scales, just the first four notes. And then we right. would do it in an octave and then we'd go through all 12 and then we would put it together in a scale and then we would do the two octave thing and so on. So, but I never really had it formally written out during this, uh, uh, COVID shutdown, I had the time a couple weeks ago and I devoted goodness, probably a good, you know, 24 to 36 hours over the course of, of a week, you know, kind of developing how I wanted to lay out. Um, and then I posted it on Facebook for my friends to download and to use. Oh, I, I remember seeing this. Everyone went nuts. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, it's like, 
you know, please, they're scales, use them. Let, you know, your kids will become better. Your life will be easier. You can play better music. You know, if this works for you, great. Cause I tried to break down everything from sixth grade all the way through high school so that each kid, depending on what, where they're at uh, developmentally, they can use this and go, all right, well, I can't play a two octave scale. I'm going to go back to the Tetra scales. Or you have some kids that are going to go, Hey man, I've got my, my, Tetra scales, I can do all 12 of them. I'm, I can do one octave. I'm even working on two octaves now. Then they can go down that other route and everything can be uh, leveled out in practice first and just say, all right, here's your exercise. Here's your exercise. You know, kids, right. do the best you can with what you have and try to get better at it. So um, I started creating from all those scales, I started creating the practice first files. So now they're already preloaded. Um, not all of them, not everything from that packet um, that I released, but most everything. And then um, next fall, I'll be able just to take that link and, and share it into um, um, Google Classroom and, and link it through through Music First. And that way those kids, you know, and they'll, we'll have checkoff points and say, look, you know, when you hit this level, you know, I'll, I'll do something cool for them. And then, you know, that way they can work at their own pace and uh, and feel and feel successful no matter where they're at. Well, I'll tell you, after, after we're done uh, interviewing, I'm going to follow up with you next week to see about licensing all that from you. We'll call it the Ron Sykes scale collection and put it in practice first for everyone. It just, it, I know that uh, Mike Olander said, have you seen this? And that's actually <laughs> how the, the podcast interview came about. I was like, oh my God, look what this guy has made. So yeah, oh, wow. we'll Thank chat, you. Ron. We'll chat. I, I'm, I'm very interested in uh, sharing that with the rest of, uh, rest of our community. So okay. we'll, we'll talk about making that happen. So I've got a couple more minutes with you, Ron, and I do appreciate all the time. And um, uh, I just wanted to, the, I, I always ask questions about advice. And uh, you, I, so far, you know, especially with the, the horse training analogy, it, I would love, uh, you know, to hear what your advice would be to teachers who are probably at the moment feeling completely overwhelmed uh, with this. I mean, I'm sure that there were teachers that never used technology ever and they were thrown into the deep end with a hundred pound weight tied to their foot, uh, you know, trying to make something happen in, in, in the short term. But, you know, I'm sure you, I'm sure everyone listening is wondering what the heck is going to happen in the fall. So what would your advice to be for somebody who's like, all right, Ron, how, what, is, what, you know, it doesn't have to be music first related at all. It's purely like uh, in terms of technology and what would your advice be for them to to get something up and running that's meaningful, that's engaging uh, for their students? Should we be in either a blended environment, you know, or or a virtual environment, God forbid, in the fall? I think my first piece of advice is, um, and and I'm giving this advice while still reminding myself to take it, and that is, do not compare yourself to another teacher. Like, you know, it, when somebody is, is on Facebook or any of the social medias, those people are posting their highlight reel. And if, and if you start comparing yourself to someone else's highlight reel, then, then you're going to feel like I'm not good enough. I'm not doing enough. And that stress is not necessary and it doesn't help. It's not so, healthy. <laughs> no, it's not. So, you know, the first thing is, 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 you know, again, you're not behind or ahead. You're where you are, where you are. Um, next thing is, is try to remind yourself of why you started teaching in the first place. What was it about music? Um, you know, it's for most people, you know, it's going to be very simple concepts. You know, I just love this song or I loved how I felt when I played this, or I love the sense of accomplishment when I was, when I was able to do this and once I couldn't. So, you know, remind yourselves and, and then try to pass that on to the kids. Um, because, you know, next year we don't know what, what it's going to bring. I'm, I'm already putting together kind of like a plan, like a worst case scenario plan. And, you know, our best case scenario is, is, you know, magically over the summer, it goes away and everybody goes, Oh, I guess we can just go back to normal. Yep. Um, but it also might be like, instead of having band every day, are you going to have it every other day? Are they going to split up your kids? So I'm looking at, you know, do we do a pullout program? Um, you know, to where all the kids will get like 
private lessons uh, at least twice a week, you know, at, mm -hmm. at a half an hour a shot? Or will they allow us to do chamber music? So can I just have all my woodwinds together for a little bit? If the, the number of kids, the population of the kids in the room versus the square footage of the room, if that falls in line with the requirements, is that going to be okay? So, um, you know, and then at, there's going to, I would have to believe that there's going to be some part of, uh, of, of our schedule to where, you know, we won't be able to perform in some of the ways that we have in the past. So, you know, how are we going to conduct like, you know, concerts? Are they going to be again, chamber groups in a small venue? What kind of music are you going to use for that? So what I would say is, is, it's important to kind of take inventory and count blessings of what you do have, because I know if we visit social media, we'll find somebody that says, well, we can't, you know, they're, they're going to shrink my class or I won't be able to do the things that we've done in the past. And although that transition is going to be tough and even disappointing, um, those types of things are out of our hands. What's in our hands is, is counting our blessings and going, Hey, I'm thankful that I have a job where I can still teach kids music yep. and then how can I serve the district and serve these kids and serve the parents to give them the best music education possible, regardless of the situation around us. And then the next step after that would be, okay, what technology tools do I feel comfortable with to start with, to start integrating? And then after that is like, all right, I feel comfortable now that next step, you know, what is the next little piece that I can add on to enhance everything, you know, starting from a very holistic point of view early on, and then just, you know, taking all the time that it's going to take. So it'll take less time later and less stress and, and, you know, everything that goes along with that. Yeah. Let me, let me tell you, Ron, and I'm sure that everyone listening has the exact same feeling. There's something very comforting about listening to you say that. And I think that a lot of music teachers should listen to what you said and count your blessings. And, and to me, it, you know, my philosophy of life is it's not about what happens to you. It's about how you deal with it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we have no control. Nobody knows what's going to happen in the fall. But, you know, the ideas of, hey, well, maybe I can make it work with the chamber, you know, a positive approach and saying, look, if I could meet with my flutes, I could have a flute choir. I've never had a flute choir before. Right. So, hey, let me see what I can do with flute choir. Let me see if I can get a woodwind quintet going. Well, I wonder, I've always wanted to do a trombone choir. So if it, if it is the case that we have smaller groups, you know, and I, personally, I think that we're going to be in some type of blended environment or adapted environment. Um, you know, kind of what you're talking about. Um, I, I'm extremely hopeful that our students will be back in the building. Um, and, you know, I'm sure that in, in your mentioning of social media, I've seen so many henny pennies out there just saying it's over. You know, every, we're all going to die kind of thing. And I'm just like, no, right. that is a really bad approach. You know, like we, if anything, we've learned from this pandemic being home so long is how important music is. And I think you would probably agree with me, Ron, that I mean, at this point, I'm crying at almost every commercial. And I'm just like, I have so much uh, love for humanity when I see great things on, on TV, and the arts have never been more important. So I really appreciate your tone and your kind of outlook. It's, it's very, very comforting. Oh, well, thank you. You're welcome. I have one last question for you. It's kind of like from the sublime to the ridiculous, but it's, a, you know, I, I ask every guest and it I would be remiss not to ask you. So you've, you've been using uh, Music First for a couple months now. Uh, if you could wave a magic wand and change something about it or add something, um, you know, we're, we're coming up with announcing all of our new features for the fall. I'd love to hear what you would like uh, to see change or, or improve. I think, uh, can I offer three? Oh, sure. Please do. So uh, the first thing I would like is in the Practice First software, I would like to create my own playlists. So uh, when I created each scale, I would like to, to combine all of those scales into like, um, instead of putting um, all of my Tetra scales, putting all 12 of them, I would like to bundle those up and just release it to the kids as one playlist. And then within one playlist, be able to share that playlist with either, you know, uh, as, as we can already, like the uh, either district or even everybody who uses the platform. 
but I would love to see playlists. In well, the I, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. We actually have that feature internally. It's not a, it's not a customer facing feature. That's how we sequence our uh, method books. So when a student finishes exercise 17, a little red arrow button shows up at the bottom of the page on the right hand side and says, would you like to do the next one? So I'll see what I can do about that. It's an excellent, uh, excellent suggestion. So number two. Um, number two is when I'm looking at um, the dash dashboard, is that what mm -hmm. we would call it? Yep, absolutely. Um, I've got all my classes listed and there's always the bell in the top left-hand corner that yep. lets me know an assignment's been turned in. I would love for that to be hyperlinked to where I can click on the bell and then all of those assignments are now listed. So then I can awesome. just go, I can go one, one at yeah. a time all the way down. And it doesn't matter which assignment you click the bell, you get to all ungraded assignments. Correct. Love it. Love it. Um, love it. The, the next thing and, and number three is, and I've made this mistake uh, more times than I care to count. So let's say that I am giving an assignment um, in a real, uh, let's do site reading factory. Okay. Sure. So um, I go in and I create the task. Um, let me see here. Create the task. And then um, I'll go through and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll choose the, the platform. I'll say music first. I'll say I'm going to use site reading factory. I'll put it in the grade book. I'll hit create task. And then, you know, I'll hit Google Classroom and it'll right. be pushed out. And then, and then um, something will get my attention and I'll get an email from a kid going, hey, I clicked on it, but it says nothing was attached. You forgot to open it in Sight Reading Factory. I, I did. I would yeah. love to have like um, almost like a, a warning bar say, you know, say don't forget to attach yeah. or, um, you know, nothing is attached to this assignment yet. Just something, you know. Yeah, no, it, believe me, I, I, so I run the company. I've given probably 2,000 demos and at least 10 times I've forgotten to do it myself and then <laughs> and hit that exact same error message and I look like the biggest doofus on the planet. So we've actually uh, talked internally about that numerous times. And if our director of technology, Brad Smith, is talking about this, Brad, there's another one. That's another. So Brad, <laughs> listen to all of Ron's suggestions. They're great. So uh, Ron, what I promise you is that we're going to look at all three of those feature requests. They're awesome. And it comes from somebody with pretty intimate knowledge of it. That's the only way you would know those things. Uh, and, and at least two of them we've talked about internally over and over and over. So it's, it's good to hear. Awesome. All right. Well, Ron, I, again, I, I, I really wish we were in person and I could, uh, I could give you a, a big bear hug because uh, I, I really have enjoyed talking with you. Um, you're, you're obviously a fantastic music educator, and I know that uh, a lot of people listening will feel better uh, after listening to you. So I wish you the best of luck and, and, and please stay in touch. And I hope that uh, the fall, everything's back to normal. If not, I hope that Music First is helping you do your job. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for asking me. I love chatting about music ed anytime I get a chance. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Ron. Take care. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.